from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to the Good Atheist Podcast. My name is Jacob Fortan. And I'm Ryan Harkness. And this might feel a little weird for you, being, what is going on? Because it has been the longest time since you have heard a show. I'm happy to say that uh, we're resurrecting this baby, like, as if, you know, back from the dead. What a miracle. It's like Jesus, but uh, with a lot more, like, you know, rotting, because obviously we've been decomposing for two years. Yeah, I'm a bit more smelly, but I do have long hair now. I'm doing my (laughs) Jesus thing. You do have a Jesus thing going on. I know. Well, I figured if you're going to resurrect at some point, you got to look a little different. You can't. I can't do the buzz cut thing anymore because let me tell you something. I realized something very important. My hair is dying, but it's not dead yet. And, uh, you know, try to enjoy the things before they die. That's like a flower, you know? You get, Somebody gives you a flower, you know, it's beautiful, it's dying. That's what's so beautiful about it. Ah, it's disappearing. So, so you're going to witness the... Uh the, the wilting of your or of your hair ability. I think that each hair that I lose is like a gain one plus one of wisdom. That's what I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is uh, it is long and luxurious. I've tried growing my hair. You were there for it. It was your idea. It was your stupid idea. And look, uh, man, you can't. No, I mean, your hair looked like it was fine. I mean, the even even though it looked like it was evenly dispersed in terms of thinness, while mine was all like it's at the top where it's like the thinnest. So I thought that that would show more. I don't know anything about hair. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've accepted the fact that I'm like a founding father or like a Jean-Luc Picard. I'm going to have the uh, the eagle's nest, which is why I just go, I'm completely shaved now with a razor and all. Get out of here. You Smooth, look like, a, like, a, like, a, like a middle-aged woman's vagina. Yeah. Oh, you look like a giant clitoris is what you just, you know, walk around. I do. Like a thumb pointed in, uh, like in the air being like, I'm all right. I do. My my cheeks my cheeks are puffy and red and I have a, a little nose sticking out of it. It's pretty you, much. You may change plans when the sun comes out, buddy. Mm. Have you thought of this? The sun. I'm not worried about it. My you uh, need a plan. You need a plan like a hat. Are you gonna be like a, a cap guy now? No. Nope. Nope. My head is hardy. I come from Australian stock. We can handle it. I I was down. A, I went to Burning Man this year and I spent an entire week wandering around. Uh, in a desert with nothing but sundown coming onto my pate, and uh, it uh, it was fine. Right, but you see, sometimes sunburns are less to do with where you are in terms of like what time of year it is and how much radiation are you getting. I don't know how much, uh, like, how bad is it for, with the rest of your body? Were you burned at all anywhere? Ah, uh, no, not really. I uh, see. That's what I mean. Like, but I'm just saying, like, generally, I think that once you get your first real head burn. You may change. You may change tune. I think that maybe what will happen is if you if you want your head to basically be like a leather glove, then yeah, you can pick the no hat scenario. But I w- I would recommend some hat wear. Maybe. Hey, as, as somebody who's been basically bald since he was eighteen, uh, I got this. I got this. <laughs> you 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 concentrate on your your whole Jesus thing. I'll concentrate on my whole right. uh, Jean Luc Picard thing. I have been concentrating on my hair, and I'm going to tell you something. There's not a lot of really great hair products for men. You got to go with the girls' products if you're going to take care of your hair. But aren't they pH balanced for a woman? <laughs> They're so different genetically. <laughs> now the only problem is that now you know you have that floral scent around, 
but you know, I was never one to believe that you what, you need a musky, manly smell. Why why can't I smell like flowers? What's wrong with that? Yeah, I have no problem with that. Like uh, my, I, I help my uh, my brother's. Uh grandmother-in-law uh, move from like one part of her old folks home to another and I got like a bunch of stuff that, that she was going to take with her including like a bunch of these uh, dryer sheets which were like floral scent and now everything smells super flowery and old womany and, and, and yeah I recognize the fact that that's a bit weird but I kind of dig it I didn't spend enough time around old people for that smell to be creepy. So I just have to hope yeah. that whatever girl I... Uh, ne the next girl that like gets up close and personal, we get all Fabio on the cover of a romance novel together, that it doesn't just like hit her in the face like, Grandma. Well, it's, it's good. You, you have a grandma smell, so it feels like you're uh, out for the weekend. I don't know how long uh, I would want that smell, though. <laughs> I would probably not. It's just, it's just a nice undertone hint. It wasn't ruined... It's all good. That's all I'm saying. It's all good. Well, you know what they say, you know, the older the berry, the sweeter the fruit. All right, let's talk, let's move on here to our topics. Today we're going to be talking about Cosmos, which I hope by now most of you have begun watching so that you are filled in because, I mean, I don't know if we're going to be giving anything away, but we're going to be talking about it so you better be up to date. Luckily, I think that unless you've been living under a rock... You do not know about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, I mean, and there's no real spoilers uh, in science. Uh, it's no. not like he's revealing something new. Uh, it's Lottery not like a, a specific kind of molecule died in this episode, and uh, now that you know that, it's ruined everything for you. Yes, but I'm very good at ruining things, so I just wanted to let you know out there that I may ruin things for you. Ah, well, so if they're tuning in, it's because they enjoy us ruining things. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were always professionals at doing that. Wasn't that what we were good at? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty like professional haters. Turns out, you know, there's not a lot of money in it. Some money. <laughs> Somebody's got to hate, you know. Yeah. Somebody out there's got to hate, and we're gonna just pick up that mental. So we're gonna be talking about that. And the second topic we're gonna be talking about is how Ray Comfort has now called out the uh, the host, saying that of course the Bible is scientific. We'll get into the details of that. We'll have a little audio clips for you as well, so you can listen to that because we live in the future now. We can do all these amazing things on the show. And then uh, first. at the end of the show, I guess you're going to you're gonna fill everybody in a little bit more on the details of what you're up to and what the good atheist is up to and uh, where you're taking this starship. Yeah, exactly. The starship forte. Where is it headed for and that kind of stuff. And luckily, we're keeping that to the end. So if you're someone who doesn't give a shit, well, you can just turn off the podcast. That I like that idea. Like, I... I the idea of like sticking that all at the end so that you know people can listen listen to I don't know uh, the atheist portion of the show and then afterwards they can hear the the mucky muck business and you know I used to think uh, oh no one cares about that but it turns out everybody's really fascinated by the the whole blog side of it too so if we stick it at the end as soon as you get bored of it turn it off and if uh, if not listen on get involved with our ridiculous personal lives and, and ridiculous business ventures and uh, <laughs> I know the the ridiculous uh, train of. Uh of wild projects and things like drink that. Drink our Kool-Aid. Drink it. You're going to drink the Kool-Aid because I, one of the things that we need you to do, and I'm going to actually mention this before we start, is there's a video that I've been working on for a series called Bellhop. And I'm going to need everybody, after they finish listening to, to go and they're going to watch the video. I need to get a thousand Jake, views as quickly as possible. That sounds like end of show talk. All right. Well, I just mentioned it once. And now we're <laughs> going to get to the topic. So... Let's first start with discussing the, the new Cosmos series. So it has been resurrected, if you don't remember the Cosmos series by Carl Sagan, in the 1980s. It kind of ignited uh, this new era of scientific exploration, and the host himself was inspired by Carl Sagan, and they, they had a 
correspondence, and he visited him, which they do mention in the series. So there's a there's a connection there. So which is the first thing you obviously need in any great series, right? You need, you need something that you know was related. If you're going to take the fucking name, <laughs> the, uh, and, and it kind of came from a, a, a different time in America's history. You know, like when, when the Cold War was going on, everything past World War II. Uh, was serious business for America and, and, and the population in general. And, and there was that idea that, uh, you know, science was the way of the future. It was new and shiny, and it was fixing everything. You know, things sucked, and then they sucked less because of science. So there was a, a, there, there's not this disconnect between, you know, oh, fuck science. No, don't fuck science, because uh, life will fuck you if science doesn't stop it. So yeah. people, people were, you know, I, I would say that it was like the, the height and, and, and not to put America on a pedestal, who knows how high that high really was, but it was like at the height of, of their kind of, you know, get educated, learn the sciences, go into sciences, become a scientist, and help America, like, pull ahead and do all this stuff. So not only was Carl Sagan kind of the result of, of, of that, but, you know, the population was a bit more into it. So Cosmos was a cultural thing. It was, uh, you know, an important TV event when it happened then. I don't know how it's shaking out now, how, how the ratings are doing. I try, I try to stop paying attention to that, but you have to be worried about it because otherwise your fucking favorite show gets canceled six episodes in and you're like, what happened? <laughs> we were having such a good time. You Why were. did you go away? <laughs> because uh, more people would want to watch Honey Boo Boo or Walking Dead. Well, you know, oftentimes, if you want to know why everything's bad... It's just because everything's really popular. You want to know why everything's bad? Look in the mirror. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that if... The only thing is there's lots of great stuff. It's just not popular. And so all you're really aware of is popular. And generally speaking, popular means terrible. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's just that in order to make something popular, you have to take all of the uniqueness out of it and just make something bland, uh, flavorless... Uh, did, you know, kind of like a McDonald's burger. As broad as possible. And there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, at least in Hollywood, uh, where there's specific people working for a lot of these uh, studios that, that are in charge of, of homogenizing <laughs> whatever comes their way. Just uh, shaving down those rough corners uh, to make it friendlier for everyone. Yeah, who would know? Who knew that the rough corners actually is what makes something feel genuine and human? You know, any 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 alcoholic writer from nineteen from like eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy would 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 say duh. Christopher Hitchens, if he was alive today, would say duh. Well, you know what? I'm not gonna. We're not gonna comment too much on the state of uh, movies and that kind of stuff. But what I will say is. So I, I just want to discuss, first of all, our impressions. Did you watch the new one? Tell me you watched it. Did you do your research or am I going to have yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. I, I've watched the first two episodes. I haven't watched the third. I, I save them for, for, for times where I feel inspired about it. I don't want to sit down and watch it just because I need to quote-unquote watch it. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody power contents nowadays, right? Who just watches one episode? Sometimes you want to watch two or three in a row. That's how it works, right? Yeah. So I've, I, I, watched, uh, I watched the first two. Like when the first one came out, I got it like the next day and checked it out and really enjoyed it. And I watched the second one. I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying uh, the way each episode takes a scientific concept and just hammers it home just, just perfectly. The first episode was, uh, was basically kind of explaining the scope and age of the universe, and the second one was evolution, how, how species are. And, uh, of course, I mean, uh, you know, Cosmos is a science show, but it's also an atheistic show because when you lay out the science, uh, it kind of kills God. Whoops. 
<laughs> well, this is why a lot of creationists have basically gone uh, a little bit apeshit over it. One of the funny stories, this will be in the notes, is that in Oklahoma and a couple of other Fox affiliates, uh, I think it was during the first one, they actually literally edited out any mention of evolution. Uh, they just put a, basically a little promo shot thing, a 10, 15 second one. Because that's how long the mention was. And it was just like right back to the program. They did that. That happened. Well, good luck editing the second one. The second <laughs> one was, I mean, if they, if they thought they needed to edit out that little 10-second mention of evolution in the first episode, that second episode was an hour-long bitch slap towards, I mean, and, and it lays everything out so perfectly. Uh, you know, you've got your book that you're working on. I, I had a, an idea for an atheist book that never really made it, you know, out of the womb. Uh, it's still kind of percolating there, like uh, you know, bad gas or something. It was, and the idea was just I want to make I wanted to make a book that was just all here's all the arguments you're going to hear, and here's the perfect scientific smackdown in a concise way, just, just so that you can knock all of these things back. And if you were a believer, you could shatter your belief quite easily reading it. And, and that's what I feel like uh, that second episode did with evolution. Because they, they don't do it in an overtly godless fashion. It just happens to be like that. That's always being. Who was uh, who was Dar who was Darwin's bulldog again? Uh, I believe it was Thomas Huxley. Yeah, when Huxley read Darwin's work, he was like, "Shit, dog, you killed God." <laughs> Smack down. And and it is absolutely like once once you once you understand how we came from bacteria, uh, and and how natural selection works, and how it all kind of rolls together uh, it, 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 it completely invalidates every single idea that we have uh, about the need for God and definitely the need for any of these bushy bearded gods that live up in the clouds. It was interesting that when uh, I was reading a lot of the commentary uh, from Cosmos because one of the things was I don't know if you knew this I, I wrote an article uh, uh, just as we were just starting things back up because you know when you walk away from a website for about a year interesting things happen and then you notice what articles still have kind of life in them. Because the internet doesn't function at your pace, bitch. It functions at its own pace. So you never know what it is that you put out there that can suddenly become popular. And because Neil deGrasse Tyson has become more popular, um, one of the articles that I wrote, which is called Neil deGrasse Tyson Gets Bitch Slapped, you know, that's going to... Um, going to look kind of stupid in retrospect? Well, it's, here's the thing. I, watched, I read the article, and I realized that, one, I was overly harsh because at the time I just felt like it was that weak sauce. I don't really want to take a position. It, I was, don't the, like it, it was kind of the Morgan Freeman thing because like, that, that, was, that was the problem with Through the Wormhole and Morgan Freeman on his, his media tour, and we talked about this when, when that was going on, uh, was, was the fact that they, were try, they, they tried to do it without ruffling any feathers. And uh, so, you know, when Morgan Freeman went out there and people asked him questions about God, he hummed and hawed and said, who knows, maybe God is, you know, just us and existence and life. And What a cop-out. Well, it's not <laughs> just that it's a cop-out. Here's the thing that my argument was, and I, I hope that I'm, I'm going to mention this in an, in an interview that I've, I'm lining up with uh, Dr. Anthony Penn, uh, who's a former uh, Methodist preacher in, in, in black communities of, you know, New York, Boston, that kind of stuff. I want to ask... How important is it for prominent black intellectuals to come out as atheists for other potential atheists? That's my question. Because while I can understand that I think that Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist for reasons of intellectual, you know, whatever, I think that he takes that obvious opinion of saying, well, you know, we don't yet know, blah, 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 and he doesn't want to be put in with any labels. But 
he, you know, the thing is, and I don't want to jump to our second part of our of, of our show, which is you know the the Ray Comfort thing. But Ray Comfort was basically saying, "Oh, you're a believer because you've never come out as an atheist. You're a believer. That's how they view things. So even though you don't want to be put at any labels, they're already being put on for you. That's what's happening. So it's best to kind of stick with the team where you're going to make a difference. And trust me when I say that if you suddenly, as a black man of this caliber in terms of visibility just came out that would blow a lot of minds a lot of fucking minds of young black men who are just like you know i think i'm an atheist too and they just need to hear someone that they admire say it yeah well you know i i wouldn't be surprised if the statistics are a little bit behind the times on it and maybe it's kind of like that that situation where you know it on, on the census it wouldn't survive it wouldn't surprise me if on a census uh if, if i was somehow to be able to find out what my little data point was for my religion uh, they, I would probably be listed as Protestant because that's what my parents were, and that would like. Well, how long I, I, did you call yourself that, man? For even oh, while we I, were I, in the I, show. I, I, I didn't even. The show. I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was Protestant until I was like 13, and I finally was like, "What the hell are we?" Like, I knew that we were one of the really lazy, uh, <laughs> lazy. Uh, one of the really lazy religions that you know you don't really have to do anything, and if you show up on Sunday, wow, that's impressive. Unitarians. Uh, yeah. So I, I, knew, I knew I wasn't a Catholic, but I didn't know like what what. You know, yeah, Unitarian. I, I think specifically my mom goes to Unitarian churches, but she straight up, like, she's like, if I don't like the Unitarians where I am, I'll go to, like, another church until I find one that I like. So, you know, it's a little bit in flux, but we're historically Protestant. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the statistics are still skewing towards that and whatever the family church is uh, rather than what individuals are because I don't know a lot of... Uh, Black people who are who are overly religious, and maybe again that's that's from Canada because I'm from that Canada. That's because but, you're from Canada, my friend. But I I, I talked to uh, while while we were off, uh, I got a little antsy for for doing some atheist podcasting stuff, and I did uh, a podcast, the Skeptiles podcast, with Joe Dixon, who is black and from New York, and hey, uh, he's a fan of the show, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, shout out to the Skeptiles. You guys should check that show out too. It's great. Yeah, uh, doesn't he doesn't get he, like the rules. He always gets drunk or something like that when he does it or something. Uh, yeah, you have, to, might, you have to drink. You have to have a drink in your hands. Yeah, I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure they uh, they roll like that. And I mean, he's a stand-up comedian as well, so uh, you know it's not going to be dry and boring and blah blah blah. So uh, he might be a good person to uh, to ask about that. All right. Well, there'll be a link in the notes for the show, so check that. Mm. But I kind of want to know what you thought of uh, of you know the new Cosmos is cool factor. If you were like a 12 or 13 year old kid watching this, would it blow your mind, baby? You, can I put my critical hat on? Yeah, no, talk shit, All talk right. shit. Go Here's for the thing, it. And, and I'm going to begin with, like I said, I wrote a, I wrote an apology to uh, to Neil Grass because you know I felt like when I watched the Cosmo series, some of the criticisms that I had given him, like for instance his stance, the stance was clear when they were just talking about look what happens when religion and science meet. So he didn't mince words when it came to that. And after watching the Cosmo series, I gained a lot of fucking respect in that matter. I'm like, okay, we can't agree on the atheism thing. And, you know, there's even the part of me that fucking still respects him for not doing it. But I, I just have this pragmatic approach where, you know, I, I, I do talk with a lot of the members of the black atheist community because I think that they're the, you know, like they're the small guys or the little guys. They need the most help, you know. And I, I, I just, I think that we need to figure out how to reach out to other black communities because religion is really their... The, the, the chains is still left over from their fucking slavery. But anyways, you know, I, we might disagree on those parts, but 
when he took that, you know, he went, took that fucking hard stance, and he's going to see the results of that because it's just that's phase one, right? Now he's sort of like laid down the thing and be like, okay, incompatible, which is just other people are trying to throw blows his way. But he's big now, you know. He's got a big enough name that I think that he's going to surprise us. Now, with that said, I want, now that I'm done sucking his dick, now it's time to beat him up a little. Because I'm going to say this, I re you know I rewatched the old Cosmo show, and I wanted to compare it from a critical eye. And, you know, the comparison is that I feel like the, f the, the original Cosmos was written for intellectuals, and the other one is written for a bunch of morons who are barely getting it. That's how yeah. I feel. I, I suppose I can't disagree with you on that. I, I, I kind of the the original one was was for people who already had like a certain a certain understanding, and he kind of just wanted to poetically wax on it and take you to it to a next level. Well, this new one, I feel like each episode, and that's actually what I what I liked about it was like a self standing uh, explanation of a, of a of a specific aspect of science. But so I think that, I think it makes sense because he's on Fox, okay. He's not on PBS, he's on Fox. He's used, obviously part of those is the reasons that he's working with Seth MacFarlane. And, you know, you work, he's probably working with whatever resources, producers, the typical people that he's been on board with. It's always easier to work with people that you know. Uh, so the audience is different. And the audience has to be sort of like, okay, most of you who have not graduated uh, from high school or have a good understanding of science, here we go. But I, I'm saying that, of course, I, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the last show that I watched that was inspired by Cosmos, which was the Wonders of Life series by Brian Cox. Uh, we watched the, two, two, the first two series together. So you know what these series are like compared to the new Cosmos. And, and it doesn't even come close because when you watch that, every time you finish, you're like, we figured it out. We figured it out. Everything, we, we just got to figure it out. That's just how I felt every fucking single time that he, it was just that he could bring anyone from any level of understanding and just gets you there, and just he had these high expectations, being like, I'm going to teach you about uh, energy potential, about entropy, like it ain't no thing, and then by the end of it, it didn't feel like a th it was a big deal, and I, I was like, that series itself, like the three parts of those series, is still beyond anything that uh, this Cosmos series has been able to pull, not even close so far. Sure, but maybe it's you know that that's BBC and this is Fox, so these are these are two different, very different. Uh, uh, you know, starting points from 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 where you're starting and what you're trying to do. Well, yeah, but it, it, again, I think that it it would probably be the wonders of the universe or wonders of the solar system would be too much for that audience. I think they need to be massaged into it. But with that said, it isn't really designed for me. It's not inspiring any uh, wonder. Even though, like when I was watching, let's say, the wonders of the solar system, there's this one wonderful part where. He uh, Brian Cox shows the sen sunset on Mars, and I swear to God, with the music, whatever, he had me uh, with a tear. You know, like there was that. I'm still waiting for some tears here, and I am a little bitch. I cry at like I watch Kitchen Nightmares, and I cry. Okay, but well, he couldn't even get a fucking tear out of me. I mean. Brian Cox is a, a, a different animal. He waxes poetic about. I don't know he if I does. said wax poetic. I wax poetic because that's what he does. He's know, just he's like, so oh, cool. imagine the universe and it's this and it's that and it's blah. So and cool. Neil deGrasse Tyson just lays out the facts and he puts them all down. And, and for me, like as I was watching it, because I mean, again, this is this is a, a series where they had to take an hour and lay out the basics of evolution because that's where we are in the discussion today in, in North America. 
and what I felt at the end of it, like there was a couple of points. Number one, there was that you know Neil deGrasse Tyson fighting wolves, which was badass. <laughs> and then, uh, at, at, like the part where he kind of explains the 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 trustworthy wolves, the ones the ones that kind of came close and didn't attack us, ended up doing better. So okay, the friendlier wolves, the and, and, like episode, just just so. the way that he laid laid it out perfectly from start to finish. And at the end of it, I was like, this is a meme bomb. There's no way. Like I would challenge religious people to watch it because it'll break their brains. Like you you can't you can't hold on to your old information once evolution has been laid out as concisely and as intuitively. As it was done. Well, that, was, that like, was when? That was when last Sunday? Yeah, uh, that was the second episode. Okay, but how many days ago was that? I don't know when it was aired. What am I, a uh, fucking TV guide? Look, just try to guess, you fucking asshole. Like, well, was it like more uh, there, than a there's week? A third, there's a third episode out that was last week, so a week and a half ago. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, I, I, I follow the internet pretty hard, and there's a lot of silence about that particular part for sure. The only thing that they've said is that they now want equal time on the air to view to, to sort of like, you know, talk about their, their side. I, mean, I would love I, I would know. love to hear that though. I would love to hear <laughs> their like like give them straight up Fox should have been like, here's an hour, go nuts. Or here's forty two minutes. Go nuts. <laughs> I would try love... to fill forty two minutes with magic. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, just just oh, give me. I, I don't. I I don't know who they would get to be there. Neil deGrasse Tyson or or Morgan Freeman. Kirk I hope Cameron, he has maybe, a convincing voice. <laughs> no, they would get a fake Morgan Freeman. I know because I've watched some of their documentaries, and they found a guy who has that Morgan Freeman sound, who sounds like he knows what he's talking about. That's that the, he doesn't. Yeah. No, no, he totally doesn't. But, no, you can't give them equal time. You're out of your mind. Because the thing is, and, and this is why a lot of creationists are very smart, is because they'll never talk about, you know, the arguments on their side. Because the argument is this. Bible, the uh, God did it. It's pretty much like that's the shortest version I can give you. I always feel like they, they, they bank on ignorance and, and on a lack of knowledge. And the more light you shine on something, uh, the, the better off everyone is. Like, the reason these ideas... Uh, are still around aren't because they're convincing but it's because they're dogma you know you already know the answer and then you're you're trying to go backwards trying to sort it out so if you actually like I, you don't give them you know a series on fox don't give them 12 episodes or however many episodes cosmos is giving but if they want if they wanted 42 minutes to to present their own side i think that would have been a fantastic opportunity for for fox and for everybody to just be like go for it go for it let's 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 rub our hands together and see what we get. Yeah, but here's a good example of why that's a bad idea. So let's take the Bill Nye uh, versus Ken Ham debate. And the reason it's a bad idea is because of the way that America is structured. So if in Kentucky they are, are essentially Ken Ham selling junk bonds in order f to try to raise enough capital to put down the money to qualify for rough, I think it's something like 40 or between 40 and 60 million dollars worth of tax exemption that they would be able to have in order to build their ark. So 67 million dollars of taxpayer monies, essentially, when they could be going to anything else, I'm sure, uh, would be going to building basically a monstrosity of ignorance and of continually doing what is wrong with America, which is essentially create this, this nice bubble 
where they can live in ignorance. I think that the brilliant thing about this Cosmos series being on Fox is that the bubble is bursting. You're right in a certain sense that once you burst that bubble, you can't let the genie out of the bottle. But at the same time, everyone is very, very good now at being able to control information. And this is what we fear. I mean, like, no one's... You think that in the future it's going to get easier to be able to hear different voices, different opinions? I, I don't feel like it is going to be well, easier. Well, uh, let's take a look at Facebook, for example. I think Facebook uh, gives, gives you a pretty good idea about how stupid ideas pass from friend to friend. I have a couple of friends who just fill up my news feed with, with links that are just wrong on their face. And, uh, like, there was... Yeah, it, 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 I'm, I'm impressed at, uh, at their ability to find misleading headlines and in, inaccurate stories and, and put them up. Who are these uh, friends? <laughs> oh, just trust me. When you... Uh, we have different feeds, you and I. Very when, 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 uh, Yeah, pretty much. Well, if you've got all your, your atheist people on your thing, I'm sure they're better about it. But, I've yeah, I've got tons of people still from my high school days, and I've got tons of people from the rave scene as well. And, uh, yeah, they believe some things. Get so you've got your ear to the street, yo. <laughs> yeah, and every time Facebook's like, do you keep wanting to see this stuff? I'm like, yes, stop trying to take things away. I want to see everything, every single one of my friends' posts. Please, please, can I, can I pay you to show me everything? That would be nice. It's because... true. Addiction to information <laughs> is a bit of the advantage here. So I think that the, the, the only solution that we have to have now is making sure that the information they're presenting is pretty fucking clear and pretty fucking sexy. Because let me tell you something. If you can't present information in a sexy fashion, uh, you know, it, it, people might not grasp it at first. Well, that's what Upworthy is great at. They, they, they. Honestly, I swear their shit is designed in a in a, in a laboratory. I, if if the guys who create their their headlines aren't wearing lab coats, they should be because they're they are scientists. Uh, I think it's Skynet who's doing that now. Maybe. Yeah. Soon enough. <laughs> Soon enough. But I, I mean, my general point is, uh, you know, ignorance will always be passed around. Uh, but I think at this point in time. You know, uh, we all know those those people on our feed that, that put up stupid shit. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get more disconcerting uh, and uh, discerning, sorry. And, and a rising tide kind of raises all boats. And the people who post these stuff are being, you know, labeled stupid. So it, uh, I think it kind of helps. Like that, that Ken Ham debate, you brought that up. So many non-atheistic friends of mine posted that up and, and loved it. And, and while the debate format unquestionably is broken, you're never going to have a proper debate in a, in a polit political debate. And that debate with De, uh, DeGrasse Tyson, or, or sorry, with uh, with Bill Nye and, and Ham, they were just, you know, Ham wouldn't even respond to anything. He just wanted his time to say his bullshit. But at the end of it, you knew who won. Uh, you knew who was right and who didn't present anything. So in that way, it still worked. I guess the, here's the problem that I think we have in the, uh, you know, in the atheism scene, or just in general, I could say, and something that I now have a better understanding of, having stepped away from everything for about a year, is that you have absolutely no idea what something that you do is going, like, what the influence of that is going to be in the future. Because you can look at a debate a day after and be like, well, you know, this person won or that person won. Do you have any idea what its influence is going to be? That, I think, is the key part that we always forget. We know how it is, maybe. Maybe in the age of information, we're very aware of how things are now. But that gives us this weird hubris of thinking that we know what it's going to be like in the future. And yeah, I think that the, we should the, let go of that hubris. 
Well, you were at that. Uh, didn't you get to go to that uh, Richard Dawkins versus some dude from the church? Is religion uh, a force for good? Didn't you get to see that uh, that that speech or that debate? Man, I'm trying to remember. I I, I went to the Christopher Hitchens versus Tony Blair one. And there we go. Yeah, that yeah, that, that, that was one that. was a pretty big deal in uh, in Canada at the time. Uh, but if you asked anybody about it now, I mean, you had a hard time remembering if you were even there. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to remember because there was two really hot girls. I'm just trying to recall what they looked like. I that mean, there's something the about hot the girl girls in the tan shirt and her nipples were just poking right through. Look, she I, was I'm, from NASA or something. But man, those boobs. I'm not dead. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a penis. I have a. I have a penis. I'm a sexually active man. And uh, let's just say that there's something very hot about a girl who's at a debate. I'm just going to put that out there. No, no, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty sure. damn hot. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of places to meet women when you're a sarcastic, sardonic, uh, iconoclast. You know, they don't make bars for you. Maybe they should, you know, the iconoclast. Although it, probably things would get pretty rowdy in there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I guess my whole point is, like, that... that was a flash in the pan compared to the Bill Nye debate <laughs> because it's Bill Nye. We grew up on Bill Nye. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Beekman from Beekman's world could probably create more of a stir in the long term with something like that than, uh, you know, Richard Dawkins or, or Hitchens when he was alive or, or any of the other four horsemen or any of the other, uh, you know, titans of our, uh, of, our, of our atheistic scene. And it goes back to my good old theory that I uh, that I had years ago that we we spend too much time tweaking the atheist scene nipples instead of concentrating on the atheist the the bigger breast, the the wider more general scene of atheism, the casuals. The, yeah, the not just the areola. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's your yeah, campaign. You- That's your campaign name. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, you know, I, I will continue to to respout that analogy to everybody's discomfort all the time forever can you give me a sort of a, a gender equal uh, comparison perhaps with the shaft of a penis or something like that use your use it creatively here don't wanna, just wanna, suck wanna, the, wanna just, just don't yeah. don't just suck no that's not as good don't suck the tip take the whole thing is that's that's more of like a that that's a completely different kind of analogy mm. in and of itself i don't know how to explain it outside of the breast because i feel like the breast analogy is perfect because you shouldn't just just grab at the nipples and tweak them and, and just concentrate solely on the nipples you shouldn't just concentrate on you know the people in reddit slash atheism the people that are hardcore and read uh science blogs and this and that these aren't the you preach that's preaching to the choir the, the the larger soft fleshy breast that's malleable you know there's more pleasure in 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 stroking that and squeezing that and pressing that and and just generally doing things with that it's a lot more there's a lot more options and she'll enjoy it too she being the general population uh, if mm-hmm. you do that correctly instead of just jabbing at the nipple all the time right right and and you're just going to cause a lot of you know you you not only if you just repeat something too much you take something that's good and then all of a sudden it turns into an irritant so you don't want to just do too much of something that's good too much Right. Too much. All right. Too that's much a, nipple stimulation. That's enough of nipple talk. I think we're done with the part of an anatomy. Next you up, you started we're, it technically. What? No, I didn't. I didn't bring any boobs up. You know. Well, okay. No, that's not true. <laughs> okay. So I think that we. Sp- do you feel like we've spoken our piece about the cosmos series? You know, so it, far? cosmos is going to keep coming up. There's it's more episodes. Keep coming up. I'm sure we're going to be. 
talking about it a few more times. But what I want to transition to now is I want to talk about what Ray Comfort's uh, his reaction to it was because he uh, he recently put out a video where he called out Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was saying, "Oh well, you know, the Bible is very scientific because while you can't see evolution." You know, you can see Genesis. It's right there. You can observe Genesis. I'm not sure. You, like, you can observe a book that was obviously written like 3,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. For him, observe, you know, has a very literal meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, but the thing you have to understand is beyond that, he, this, is a, this is a web show he started called The Comfort Zone, uh, and, which is a great name. I like the name. What do you think? Comfort Zone? Anybody who lives in Toronto will will laugh because Comfort Zone used to be the name of an after hours bar that everybody everybody that went there was a crack fiend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that sounds about right. So the the Comfort Zone is hosted by Ray Comfort, and rather than Kirk Cameron, he's gotten his new son-in-law, I guess, who seems like his new his new marionette. Really, I, I can already feel. Ray Comfort's slimy little hands have crawled up his rectum and have just moved all the way to his brain. Oh, I'm sure the guy presented it. I mean, if this is Ray Comfort's son-in-law, that means he married into this. Like, he came into the fold of the organization, uh, and and, uh, who who knows how it worked. And I'm sure it's, like, legit love and everything else like that. But, man, that's that's straight up, uh, you know, that's bringing this person into the fold. Yeah, can can I say that maybe there was one of those things? Because in the Bible, when you make a deal, you got to grab a guy's dick. So, you know, they, they seem like, well, yeah, you know, I never told you about that. That was one of the ways they, not handshakes, really grab at a guy's dick. That's how you knew he was serious. I, I enjoy some of your strange Old Testament uh, knowledge discover, yeah. discoveries, but you just always have to have to make sure you make it very specific that you're not just a crazy person bringing up the fact that you should grab people's dicks. But well, that's, if you're going to, if you're going to follow the Old Testament, you're going to have what, to grab some dicks. Where's it, where does it say that? Uh, well, there's a couple of reference to it when um, I'm trying to remember when this, one of the patri- uh, uh, paterfamilias is about to die. Um, he, uh, you know, he has to grab the testicles in order to be able to pronounce the the final judgment and stuff like that. It had a had a lot. It was also another way when you shook a guy's penis to know if he was circumcised or not, which is how you knew if a guy was Jewish or not. Wow. There's a reason why they cut their fucking foreskins, man, for That's- fucking dick handshakes. That's a that's a that's a firm firm grip that you got to take to 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 be able to tell that feel it out. Yeah, I've slept with girls who thought I, they they were like, oh, circumcised penises are, are uncircumcised penises are gross. I'm so glad you, your penis is this and that. I'm like, I have no, I have a foreskin. You didn't notice because they're not weird and it natural. was pulled back, which made my dick ribbed for your pleasure. Yeah, yeah, figure it out. It's not gross. Don't judge me. <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so they, at the beginning of the show, it's a, it's a bit difficult to watch, I will admit, not just before the regular kind of religious tropes that just make you tired, but everyone there seems like they're a failed comedian. So they're, they're talking about these just awful banter between them, and you're just kind of like, somebody, somebody, have a joke. Ready. You're killing me here. So you gotta, you got to suffer through, uh, I think it's actually about seven minutes of banter before you really get into the meat, which... It's probably about it. We, I think we we suffer from this very problem. So who are we to speak? Yeah, I know. I was I was about to say like, geez, you're saying some stuff that if you were looking in a mirror, 
<laughs> I think I can. You know what, though? I'm going to put my funny against uh, Ray Comfort, although I wouldn't if all of a sudden we had to discuss our ideologies. Uh, Mine uh, funny, is less funny. Funny and informative. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely say that, uh, that, that I, will never, I will never say we ain't funny. All right, all right, good. Suck your own dick if you can. If you can. Who will, you know, these days? But the point is that for Ray Comfort, I guess his, I guess his shtick is kind of like, really, it has a, a, a point of brilliance. I know we always make fun of him because it's an easy thing. You know, there's that banana video that just where it's just foolish. And, of course, his beliefs are foolish. But just because somebody's beliefs are foolish doesn't mean that they're idiots, necessarily. It just means that the basis of their beliefs is incorrect. Jeez, no one's ever had a basis of beliefs that were incorrect and managed to do something with their lives. I mean, come on. I mean, how many people, uh, I'd say a, a large percentage of, uh, of extremely religious people are probably way better educated than us, have university degrees and extremely uh, worthwhile and difficult and uh, intelligence-needing stuffs, uh, yeah, like right, uh, right, vocabulary. Right. And you know? it, once in a while, one of the things you can be really good at, or maybe you just surround yourself with good people, which is a, ki- is a form of brilliance, by the way. But anyways, he seems to be able to surround himself with people that are very keen and understand the internet very well. So if one of the things that he's doing, remember how I was uh, just testing live streaming and all this other kind of stuff? Well, he's already way fucking ahead of the game, man. Not only is he live streaming, but he's live streaming from a fucking studio. He's got effects. He's got guests. I mean, it looks like his own TV studio, and it's basically what he's been able to create because guess what? This motherfucker has a ministry, so that means that he doesn't have to pay taxes. Hey, doesn't that sound great? Like a huge advantage that he already has. I mean, like his YouTube channel has 80,000 subscribers. Now, not a lot of them... Not a lot of videos have a lot of, uh, you know, a good ratio between hates and, and, and likes, but it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, when you release videos of that many subscribers, you are reaching a gigantic, uh, pe- you know, proportion of people, and that's in a very short time. And every time he's about to make a new video, he always attaches it with some little media thing that's going on. He's got those fucking dollar bills that are really nice looking and have, like, those horrible tracks in the back and shit like that he has a little comic that you can buy that's really attractive looking i mean it it, it's collectible worthy shit and you're just like i am and here we are be like oh ray comfort's a joke i'm like you know what when i go to our websites that look crappy (coughs) and our products that look shitty we're the fucking jokes sometimes we're the jokes he's got nice products you know well he is a he is a more successful huckster than we are He's a fu- yeah, he's he's a little bit good at that, and like I said before, the old tax man doesn't give a shit how he spends his money. So he seems to actually want to spend his money on stuff rather than enrich himself, which should worry everyone. He's a true believer, man. Like he's out to say to to. to how do I describe it? Because in his videos, he's like, we should rejoice. It's the dying world that we're trying to save. Good lord. Oh, good lord. Well, the rapture is coming soon, so he just wants to get, you know, the world is doomed. Remember, the world is doomed. So stop. So just all we're trying to do is scoop up a couple more believers, save them, save them from uh, the devil and his big devil cock smashing us when he comes to earth and kills us in the end of days. Right. Although that may not be, you know, that uh, unattractive for everyone. (laughs) Uh, Let's just say that apparently it's not a place you want to go, uh, according to them. They've been very vague about the description, but needless to say, they'd always involve some kind of fire or torture or something that they believe that they can enjoy from heaven. Because 
you know, it's been said by some theologian that that's kind of like, I think it's Tertullian who was like, well, that heaven's really, the thing about heaven is the show, you know, you get to watch what's going on in hell and rejoice, apparently, for feeling superior, I guess. It's kind of messed sounds up. horrible. I don't think I if I if heaven did exist and I got there and everybody that I knew was in hell because they would be because they're interesting people. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, that would kind of ruin it for me. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, my beloved friend is being raped by Satan's barbed penis. I feel great. He didn't make the right choice. What a wonderful thing that I'm enjoying this uh, Long Island iced tea. While <laughs> this, I watch this, this. this this awesome setup. This is a great. This is a great system. Yeah, I can play video games while he's being tortured. Whatever. There's an eternity. You know, it's just uh, whenever you want to tune in and, and see like, how's my buddy doing? I miss him. Oh well, I don't. I miss him less than I miss uh, you know watching him get tortured. Great. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, comfort. I'm, I'm sure he does well for himself. I'm sure he's got a nice house and some nice cars and some maybe some nice bling, even you know, an expensive watch or whatever else like that. But he's not like Ukrainian politician corrupt. Like he's not taking it all out. He's putting a lot back in, which is which is scary. I mean, I like those churches. Like uh, down in the, down in the south, I go visit my family in Tennessee, and uh, you see a lot of the money that that is being raised is being spent, like quote unquote, like back on the church. Like just a bigger, they'll, they'll build like a new wing, or they'll do this and they'll do that. And I'm like, good, you know, I pay construction workers to to build this thing, and uh, and and not on actively spreading your nonsense <laughs> build more bling in your ridiculous church once once your religion fades uh we'll just turn it into some great apartments that's what's gonna happen oh wouldn't that be great uh like a mega church condo well actually the thing is that there are a lot of places actually in even in quebec former churches that they've turned into uh into apartments you better fucking believe that if i had the means i would live in one of those places i wouldn't i would barely change anything i mean despite the fact that you know obviously i'm not the biggest fan of religion the person has to understand that it doesn't mean i didn't like the art or any of that other stuff i mean when you study something for as long as i have you can't help but you know like how many times have i drawn moses now a lot of fucking times i draw moses yeah a lot of my a lot of my fascination uh with religion stems stems from you know the the the, the root stories and ev- and everything else like that like it, it's it's kind of like uh you know i recognize the fact that religion is a part of our culture and uh, that culture fascinates me like i feel like uh as a white man uh we we don't get to claim a lot of uh of of, of cultural things or cultural histories that we get to kind of own as our own and, and allow us to define ourselves and unfortunately or fortunately we have religion and even though it's stupid uh and probably is going to uh cause us a lot of grief over the next hundred years, it's still pretty fascinating and interesting to to look into. I suppose. Well, you know, to see how it manifests itself, it continues to manifest itself today. I mean, the hucksterism that goes on with the Catholic Church is is fascinating in and of itself, just because you know we're smart enough to recognize it now. It's kind of like how uh, you know Mormonism. When you get to see Mormonism objectively with the information that we have on the internet, it's hilarious. Well, you know what was one of the funniest things that happened recently? So Joel Osteen had a robbery after a, it was a relatively slow weekend and $600,000 from just, I think it was just that night, was stolen. And then everyone was like, is, is that how much money's fucking making? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that the number, uh, 
I guess I guess you know you got to tell the police how much went missing, and then it's not like they're going to keep their like that's some juicy juicy gossip. Yeah, that's what news is made of, man. That's that's how you're supposed to report on stuff. Like for instance, I'm sure we could do a show on this. Where's David Miscavige's wife? Where's she? <laughs> She's still missing, eh? Her her one of her best friends who quit Scientology, who's on that King of Queens show. She's been like, she's been trying to get her information. She can't get nothing. I'm sure she's on a nice, relaxing uh, boat La- vacation. La- labor tour. A labor tour. Boat. If she's alive, um, I don't think she knows who she is. So, <laughs> Emaciated, Man. confused. Uh, yeah. Might that's as well send her to a labor camp. That's a, that's a, that, was a dark, that was a dark little uh, thing to throw in there. We're all having fun talking about corruption and money in this, and you just brought up the fact that Miss Cabbage probably either is torturing or murdered his hey wife. Hey, man, you brought up white people culture. I gave you an example. <laughs> <laughs> kill, kill, kill the white man. You know, sometimes, uh, yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about, Ray Comfort? I feel like we're... We're kind of, are we beating a dead horse? I just want to mention the fact that, look, even though we joke around with him, it doesn't mean you should just dismiss him. He's not, he's very effective at the things that he does, and I think that we should not, we should just take some of those examples. And I think that some, once in a while, you know, I, we shouldn't feel uh, too frightened to uh, think a little outside the box. Or, or at least acknowledge what, uh, what these guys are good at. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like, you know, because... Sometimes when I think this is one of the early stages of when you give up your your belief, you know, for a little while you gotta you gotta feel that self confidence, you know, you just gotta because everyone around you may not feel differently. So I understand that. We've if you're if you're not new to the scene, then those are perfectly kind of things. But I feel that as time goes on, all right, let's t- let's get a little bit more strategic. Let's get a bit more adult. Let's think about how we can do this. You know, I'm mellowing out. Um, and that's just based on experience. So, and I'm, I obviously I'm prejudiced that's also for part the of idea that, of uh, uh, a, the the atheist ride. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, we, the ebbs and flow of how it works. It's not something you're always going to be interested in. Sometimes you are. Sometimes you aren't. And it also depends on the world around. You know, uh, Christianity is getting a bit of an upswing because it gets more attention as it becomes more marginalized. You know, they. You think that they're going to go slowly into the good night, sir? I guess I can't retire. Speaking of which, you want to move on to the last phase that some people might just tune out? Yeah, let's do it. Let's t- let's talk about us. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk about the good them. atheist. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd, I'd even play an, uh, you know an outro song now for everyone who just doesn't like the other thing. Be like, da da, get the fuck out, da da. You don't give a shit, da da. You know, like one of those things. But whatever, we'll think of something. <laughs> It's the new good atheist, you know, the possibilities are endless. So, yeah, let's talk about us. First, let's, talk, let, let's reveal what you want to reveal because, you know, you're a private man. What would you like to say about you? What's going on, buddy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm still, uh, I'm, I've been living up life. We, uh, me and you no longer live in the same city, which uh, is a big part of uh, why a lot of the stuff that we, uh, we used to work on together is, does, no longer is worked on together and why we've gone our separate ways to, uh, to a good degree on a lot of stuff. And it, it just felt like, to me anyways, uh, while, you know, I, I, as, as the co-host, I was never, I, I was always supposed to be the common man and I was never crazy into atheism, but I was always very strong about the fact that I am an atheist and, uh, and I enjoy discussing those topics and I enjoy talking about the, everything surrounding religion. 
And because uh, what you're really talking about is, is culture and humans and why people are and do the things they do. So well, we are I, talking I always... about culture, but we put it with through, through an atheist perspective. It's probably the other way of saying it. You know, it's like you'd want to talk about something like I read a book, uh, this book, and now I, you know, with an atheist perspective that I want to just make you see it through. Here's my review. I'm like, there's definitely that element. Yeah, and I mean, I know that uh, a lot of listeners in the past uh, have, have kind of mentioned the fact that they they don't have a lot of friends that they can have these kinds of discussions with. So getting to listen to the podcast is is kind of like a therapeutic thing where they get to feel like they have that that level of discussion. Not to say that it's an extremely intelligent level of discussion, at least not coming out of my fucking mouth. But at the but it's still an entertaining and interesting discussion about topics that aren't related to American Idol or uh, you know sports. Or, or, or whatever else like that and it's uh, it, it's enjoyable and I, I admit that I've missed it too and uh, you know we got together uh, 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 just a little bit ago uh, after your birthday and uh, and hung out and uh, we decided that uh, it would be fun to kind of get the show pr- pr- bring the band back together and, and do this maybe not uh, maybe not to the level that we did it before because Jesus looking back we we churned out content man like uh, like like Chinese people in a factory, we yeah, churned it out. We we're foxconning it. Yeah, we foxconned the shit out of it. So now, uh, now with the idea that we're a little bit older and a little bit wiser, and uh, we can sit down and do this on a on a semi on a regular but not obsessive basis, and uh, have a good time, and everybody can enjoy the show again. Well, it's also you know for one degree in in terms of what I was doing, my I was completely absorbed with the book. I mean, I'm, I'm working on the third draft now, which, you know, which I should say, um, my, the release date for the book now is going to be May 30th. That's going to be the big date. I'm going to just put that out there, releasing it like, just be like, May 30th. And if I can pull it off, there's going to be like a big, how do I describe it? It's, kind of, it's, it's almost impossible to describe it. It would take a fucking uh, show. It's the America hates, or God hates eagles. No, That's you told you me that say. was a bad. That was a bad name for a tour. You just still said, just stick with Bible stories, because I really a Bible stories tour. Bible stories tour. And for me, a tour is not just me being like, I'm gonna read for my book for twenty minutes, and then I'm gonna answer questions. Fuck that shit. I'm gonna make a show. I'm gonna make a fun show. So May thirtieth, or I'm not sure if the actual release date will be that day, because the, it depends on the venue. I have picked a venue, but. I'm, I still have to confirm, but it will be within that those those dates, and I'll, I'll be releasing that slowly as time goes on. But it's definitely it's definitely the book is coming out end of May because I had the uh, genius idea, let's just say, of not div- you know writing it as one sole book, but rather of dividing it as a trilogy. Because there's oh, no so way you're going to you can... hobbit it. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, I was reading it, I realized that well, number one, I don't know if you know this, but about thirty people of thirty percent of people who read books don't finish the books they read. It's kind of sad, right? I mean, you go through all that trouble and they just don't fucking finish the book. That's that, I bet that, you the Bible is uh, is way higher. I know, oh I know. It, to me, it totally peters out after uh, after the, the you know the uh, the Moses story. Well, um, after the Moses story, if you can make it through, because it's tough. Because I don't think you've actually you've probably never made it through uh, Leviticus or, or Deuteronomy. Like I, I went through the Bible, combed it sentence by sentence, just to try to see which parts I could include in the narrative and which parts weren't necessarily narratively driven, but rather were just the laws that are inserted in the book. So obviously that's a lot of fucking work. But you get, you get familiar with the fact that it's a bit soul-crushing if you're just trying to understand it as a story. 
from a story perspective where all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a bits of a story and then just God chimes and he's like, okay, when you're menstruating, I want you to take two birds and one of them you're going to twist its head off and you're going to basically pour its blood on an, on an altar of uncut stone seven times. Then you're going to fuck off for a whole week because, you know, you're spiritually unclean and all sort of kind of stuff and let the other bird go. This is not a story. <laughs> this is a weird commandment that you have to follow of one of the 613 rules that uh, pretty many of them are very disgusting. Many of them are very disgusting. Just but very strange. But there's going to be that. It's a great thing about the book, though, is that, you see, I've taken up all the rules, and rather than disperse them, the, <coughs> the fifth chapter is actually uh, the law. So I basically wrote it with all the laws so you can see just, you know, what are the what are the laws that you're expected? And at the end, of course, there's a little part. You can just with a little box, and you say, "I accept." You can just sign it and just be part of God's covenant if you do all those 613 things. <laughs> Sounds like a danger and covenant to be a part of. I don't think it worked well for a lot of the people that were like, "I'll do it." Well, you see, that's why you know, and, and this is why it works as a trilogy, because in the beginning you have kind of like this strong part. You got Genesis, you got. You know, the books of Moses, you got Joshua, you got Judges. You like Judges, especially when we did that show. Remember about Samson? You love that show. Yes, uh, Samson's great. I mean, he's, he's like, he's a, the, one of the first superheroes. Well, not, not one of the first superheroes, but like one of the great Christian superheroes. Yeah, Christian supervillain. <laughs> oh, is he? <laughs> what, is Samson a villain? Was Samson a villain at the uh, end? I, if, you're, if you're a fucking Philistine, uh, if, uh, if you're a Phoenician, yeah. Yeah, he's a villain. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess. Uh, yeah, the the the, the story of, of God's chosen people didn't work out for the people who were not God's chosen people. Yeah, for a lot of people. But in any case, so you have like, so you have that, and then you have a couple of other little weird books. You got Ruth, that just I don't know, just doesn't. I don't know if it fits, but it's a it's a charming little story. You know, in a book of fairy tales, sometimes you're gonna just have a, a couple little stories, the fucking frog and the fox or whatever. But anyways. Then what you have is you have this huge chunk that most people are just have a lot of problems with, which is Samuel and Kings. And this is the story of David, Saul, Samuel, all those guys. Um, but, you know, that story, even after David and, and Solomon, after that story ends, it's kind of like a bit of a bummer, right? So I thought originally that's where I was going to make the first book. I was going to make this fucking 700 or 800 page behemoth. Uh, that was going to finish right at the end of that because it feels a little bit like, uh, um, you know, the, the the Empire Strikes Back, you know, where you're just they're just getting their asses kicked. Like, at first it's um, the Assyrians or you know Babylonians, and then it's the fucking Persians, and then it's the uh, the Seleucids, we're all Alexander the Great, and then it's the Romans. I mean, it's just like getting butt fucked one, you know day after another it's just constant so you're just like the empire's strike bags which is uh, i'm like oh my god i should make that a second book you know because the second book's a bit of a crazy crazy ride so i think that if i divide it into three and the third one obviously being the story of jesus because it's much shorter than the other books i think that it works very better as a trilogy i think it's more exciting and you're way more likely to want to finish it because the, there's a denouement happening at the beginning you know right at, at the end of judges when it's pretty clear that you know things are kind of the, the relationship with god is a little bit clumsy and then at the beginning you have you know like right at the end of the book it's going to end with saul and uh, and and kind of like you know just on a cliffhanger and stuff like that i think it works well 
Yeah, it's a, it, it sounds like a good plan, and, and it's probably definitely better that you release a, like a reasonable-sized uh, book uh, containing like you know this important part, the part that everybody knows about the the you know the Old Testament. Yeah, well, like I said before, it was going to be a bit of a behemoth. I was I was already, and this was second draft at about 150,000 words. So your typical book is anywhere from 80 to 100,000 words. Uh, that's done. But I mean, second draft was me like. In some chapters, literally just kind of me reiterating the story, real short draft, not me going back. And and one of the things that I don't know if many of you were, went back and you listened or you read the first chapter of the Bible, but I've had a lot of people who are not part of the atheism scene uh, that read it. And, you know, after they had finished, their familiarity with the Bible stories was really high, and that's what I wanted. You know, all those fans had told me, oh, when, whenever you did the Bible stories, just the rough cut episodes, they, you know, I, I made inaccuracies and stuff like that. And for sure, you know, I didn't read it. I read m mostly the synopses, right? I, it's a fucking huge book. But when I, like, I, I, did, I, that, I didn't want that to be the thing that would discredit me. Oh, you didn't, you know, you just didn't use the real story, whatever. I want someone to read it and be like, holy shit, God is a dick in this version. Surely this is some kind of blasphemy that he invented. Oh, that's, what, <laughs> that's the reaction I want, basically. <laughs> And plus, I worked like a bitch on these fucking drawings. Um, and you know the problem with making drawings is that oftentimes, you're never really finished, right? You could always spend a little bit more time just refining it, maybe adding a couple little lines here. So I gotta, eventually, like all things, you know, art is never finished, it's merely abandoned. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like art is uh, art is one of those things that you can spend as much time on it as you want to. I remember uh, I would make a, a YouTube video, and and you know it takes forever to put one of those things together. By the end, you've watched the thing like five hundred times, and then once you're done, you watch it another like fifty or sixty times, and you watch the YouTube video, and you're like, oh, you just feel good about it a little bit, and then maybe yeah. you want to change something or redo it. Yeah, there's it's. You can, you it's can a, spend it's a process, yeah, it's a process. And, and you don't, I, mean, I wouldn't you even know. call it a process. I'd say it's more of a dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. You know, it's, it's like you're addicted a, a limit, to it in a sense. A limit is what you need yeah. uh, to, to, to just make sure that you're, you, know, you, you spend the right amount of time on it and you don't spend like you know, 10 hours just, uh, just dicking around on it, just, just tweaking it and maybe even ruining it. Well, there, the, I almost did that with a few of the drawings where you know, all of a sudden I realized I was over, overdoing it. But it's also because I realized that sometimes when you're on print, certain things might not come out as sharp. You know, like I really want people to just see the detail of the work. I mean, there's a part of me that just wanted to make really great drawings because I thought if anybody tries to fucking discredit me and just say that I'm just lazily making some cheap jokes, I wanted the drawings to even confuse people further. You know, they're not, they're not cheap shot drawings. They're literally recreations of ancient... Well, not ancient, old paintings that I really like or admire, uh, or you know, I like the imagery or whatever. And then I just put the the people who've supported me over the years, the patrons who paid, you know, the big you know top price for the book. I get to draw their faces, and almost like it's it, you become very familiar with the people that support you when you draw their faces. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting experiment of like getting familiar with my fan base and like, oh, I know that smile, I drew it. I try, yeah. or at least I tried to. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I gotta say, like uh, for for all the all the craziness that went on switching the Kickstarter over to Indiegogo, I really liked your Kickstarter slash Indiegogo rewards and the people that that are going to be in the book, the people that that paid for the uh, to get a drawing. I think that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think like they're that. gonna I think they're gonna love it. I mean, I 
I made sure that, and this is what uh, I was nervous about because originally I was going to do uh, a fewer drawings and have multiple people in the drawings, you know, multiple patrons. But I kind of like dislike that idea, just because I don't know, you know, it feels a bit cheap. It's like saying like, why don't you draw seven people in one fucking painting? You're like, it, it should feel almost private. So by by also dividing it into three, I get a little bit more time to do some of the other patrons who are obviously, you know, going to be part of the book. But now it's it's kind of like, oh well, instead of making you Moses, you might be Saint Peter, or you might be, you know, like the possibilities are endless. So it, I felt a little bit less pressure on there because you have to remember there's like twenty five people that chose that option because you know there's thirty three books of the Bible, but I'm not doing every single one of them. Like I'm getting rid of Chronicles and. The Psalm and Proverbs are going to, they're not going to be in that book, but I'm going to release them as a, eventually a book of poetry that I write separately. Because again, it suffers from that whole, this is not a narrative, this is just a bunch of fucking weird poems that I'd like to retranslate. Because I had, I've been writing poetry in the book, by the way. Because the, the, the Bible has poems in it. Kind of like the Lord of the Rings, you know? Poems. Mm. So, yeah. I decided, why, like at first I just rewrote them literally because I'm who wants to write that in the first draft? But at the end of it, I was kind of like, I want to rewrite them as humorous limericks. You know, like one of them is I wrote it as an 80s rap. You know, like, listen up, Jews. About, uh, you know, like. <laughs> that was, gonna, that was the most half-hearted I'm not gonna beginning sing it. of I just a rap decided ever. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not I know, sing but you should have. Go somewhere. listen up, Jews, to what I say. Right. I'm the God. You want me to and, do it? Uh, all right, all right, all right, I'm going to do it. See? Now, now, there, there you go. Jews, That's all you I'm needed. About to, uh, rap about God's master plan, how he's going to snap. Right, there yeah. you go. Right. There you go. This is an entertainment podcast. Dance know, monkey. This is the, you know, after hours. <laughs> we don't have to be interesting. We no. just have to talk about our boring things. Right, exactly. At this point, someone is falling asleep. This is what they need to listen to. I hope they're not in the car, though. Jeez. <laughs> Uh-oh, better keep it entertaining. Somebody's driving. Or they may be working out. Who knows? Got to mm. keep them entertained. But yes... Uh, I, I, I think I had to realize that this is also the reason I'm giving myself a date is that I think I've been keep pushing it back because I keep wanting to refine it and refine it because the more time I spend you know even at least with the writing it's, it's still improving but you know, it's just got to go out that's how it is it's just, it just has to be produced it's good it's, a, it's not it won't be a masterpiece okay but I think you guys can deal with that and it's going to give you some chuckles and that's kind of what you pay for right it's words on a page that make sense to talk about the Bible. I think it's, uh, and there's pictures. I, I, I think, uh, you know, we're our own worst critics. And, uh, I mean, everybody that I've talked to that has checked it out has liked it. And I think it's pretty good. So. I think it's a solid concept. I mean, it was, the concept was basically proposed, if you want, by fans. You know, they're the ones who chose it basically from their own interest. You know, remember how, like, the huge The Bible Story shows were? I mean, they were, like, twice the listens of any other show and people just talking about it so you're kind of like oh I gotta write a book well and how many years did I talk about that fucking shit I mean, finally everybody's gonna be able to get off my back <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah that's that's definitely uh, the way that all creators should feel when they when they create something is they can go finally oh finally people will fuck off <laughs> get off my back and you know as yeah. soon as it's out they're like Where's the, when's the second one coming out and you're like shit <laughs> well, you know, I've uh, I listened. To, I you know, I think I always used to say that I wasn't that much of a podcast listener. I'm still not now today, but I, I do have my my podcast choices. And one guy 
that uh, I, I, when I listen to and I hear him do this, it amuses me, is Dan Carlin. He does uh, hardcore history and he does uh, common sense. And common sense is his, his political one. And that's always interesting to listen to because they're an hour and it's basically him just kind of riffing. So he can pump them out a bit faster. But the hardcore history ones, like uh, I just watched uh, the first half of his World War I uh, show like the first day there's two episodes on World War One and the first one both of them are three hours long and, and you know you know how much I just come in here and and, and say whatever stupid thing comes into my monkey brain but uh, you actually do a lot of research before so you must understand what uh, what Dan Carlin's up to before he puts together before he sits down and spits out a three-hour show and he's always talking about how people start getting uh, angry or upset, or you know what it is. It's it's when you have a fan, and when you're a fan of something. Let's let's say if you like uh, Game of Thrones and you read the books, and say it takes five years for a, the next book to come out, and you just you know you still love the guy, you still love his work, but maybe you'll send him a, a tweet that says "fuck you, guy." <laughs> Why won't have you fucking release this? I love you. Fuck you. How about you stop living your life and sit down at your desk and write that goddamn next book? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and it's, this is what I'm also looking forward to May because it, the the only thing after May that I'm going to need to worry about is going to be the the book tour stuff. Which, um, you know, now that I'm working with a pretty professional crew, I mean, if you guys if you guys haven't seen again, I'm going to remind everyone go to the site uh, thegoodatheist.net. Please, there's a video there for Bellhop. Please watch it. If I get enough views, I can get a grant to do this show, basically to pay me to do a show about a guy like me who wants to be a talk show host because I'm also building a talk show. Basically, that's what the book tour is. It's kind of a giant talk show that I'm learning how to do. And so I wanted to make a web series that included my guests as actors in it. Like It's, it's kind of like you know um, Larry Saunders' show or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, except for I'm also really doing a show. And the show's are about they're an hour they're gonna be an hour long the first 40 minutes is gonna be you know just maybe a, a couple of jokes you know monologue then we're gonna have like a band like literally I have a band a four-piece band and the band guys him and I have a great rapport and stuff like that so that's a lot of fun and uh, I'm also gonna have a musical guest and an interview and then finally the last 20 minutes is me reading from the Bible stories thing with like a big giant book sitting on a bed you know in a big chair like on Kind of like on my DVD, but except for I have a whole book in my hand. And uh, that's going to be the book tour. Me reading from different chapters of the book in this cool thing. So when you come see the show, you know, like I'll be doing Washington for sure, because Mandisa Thomas has been, and I have been talking, and she's going to do a show there. Uh, hopefully I can do Chicago, because I know some people over there as well. There's a bunch of cities I can definitely go. So when you're going to go there, I'm going to have a fucking show, a proper show. Wouldn't that be just fun and like book tour, bitches. I like it. The future is bright. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, have been challenging myself a lot. Uh, when I, you know, when I tried to do that telethon thing for the twelve-hour telethon, that was a big challenge. Mm. Uh, it didn't work out, but you know, fail. You learn a lot from failure, and I learned how to do your own little live TV thing, which is going to be a big help. And doing the pilot stuff, I got in touch with all kinds of comedians and artists. And, you know, people who have venues and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, all these crazy things that I keep talking about doing. Uh, I am doing them slowly. I apologize. I am one man. And while I don't have a life yet, I would like to have one. So maybe after May, I can have a little life. That'd be nice. 
Yeah, sounds pretty good. Uh, I want to I want to plug my own shit. Oh yeah, plug away, bro. Uh, I, I, I regular listeners know I used to be in the rave scene. I used to DJ and stuff like that. I've retired from that whole ridiculousness because I'm an old man now. Right. And that's you can't, a young you can't man's have game. like the Captain Picard hairdo and be I, doing. I'm, I'm just I'm just I you know I'm not gonna wear a pink V-neck shirt and ridiculous neon orange sunglasses and try and get out there and and play dubstep against like some 19 year old or something like that it's just not my thing but you know i've always i've continued listening to music and actually when i retired from djing is when my musical kind of boundaries really opened up and 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 now it's just so deep and wide and i spend you don't want to know how much time i spend looking through finding new stuff well you're a music guru usually which is the sad thing with you away um, not having not having access to your music, which was always a big part of, uh, you know, kind of like the work thing. Having great music is just, I don't know, maybe that's just for me, but it helps fucking work like crazy. Yeah, I've been I've been working on 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 new ways uh, because to me, like the the idea of a DJ and and, you, and being a DJ to try and spread music, it's it's flawed because what what do you get? You get an hour at some point of the night in a room that may or may not have a, a larger amount of people who may or may not be paying attention, uh, and it limits the kind of music that can be played. I've taken it to the internet now. I've got an online radio station uh, called bleepityboop.com, spelled just exactly how you would imagine it to be. And right now it's just uh, an online radio station, but uh, we're st- we're starting to do pod- podcasts for it. Not not podcasting that we're going to be talking. There's no talking. It's just uh, specific musical ideas. Like there's a uh, there's one specifically just devoted to chill wave music. There's another that's uh, all about Japanese dance music. That's that's a historical series where we go through uh, you know what was going on in '90s Japanese ha- house music, and another one that that has Japanese break core. So it, it, each episode is kind of themed to a different idea and I was thinking actually that it would be a lot of fun I found a bunch of music that that is pretty scientific and slash or atheistic in its in its tone or sample usage and and I was thinking as a fun tie-in to the good atheist coming back up I thought it would be neat that the next bleepity boop podcast would be for atheists uh, it would have a bunch of uh, of, of tracks uh, it's difficult to describe why it's atheist, but when you listen to it, you'll understand. Uh, some really great Bertrand Russell quotes in certain songs and stuff like that. Get out of here. That's cool. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's the standard stuff. If you want to know what my general blanket statement towards music is, I like the bleepity bloop. It's, it's, it's all like, you know, kind of electronica, but it's not going to beat your face in at 140 beats per minute. I've chilled out a little bit. Everything's a bit more floaty. Uh, it's, I would say, the perfect thing to listen to maybe while you're trying to get something done at work. So, uh, you know, uh, that will be up, and uh, I'll make sure Jake posts it on The Good Atheist. And, uh, and yeah, that'll be a little bit of cross-promotion we can do. Yeah, and the cool thing, too, is, is um, you know, there's not only just that. There's even another project I wanted to mention. I don't know if anybody saw this. It's on the site. Uh, there was a comic I was working on with one of the uh, listeners of the show uh, called Skeptic Al. And uh, it was originally something I had proposed at Richard Dawkins Foundation. But they kind of they backed out when they realized that there would be gasp, some elements of super, you know, pseudoscience and magic. Because it was basically the, the, the idea was a guy gets teleported into a comic book world where his skepticism is a power. So obviously in the world of narrative storytelling, you can't always have harsh reality and bang people over the head with points. But that is not a conversation that I was able to convince the, the people that are Richard Dawkins. So after only one comic that we put out, they decided to pull the plug. But it's fine. 
I'm sitting down and I'm rewriting this series with somebody else because I still think that there's some appeal there. Um, it's designed not, like the whole thing is that it's not really designed for the atheism scene per se. Because I still feel that when you design for, like you said, preaching the choir, you're doing it wrong. You're just to, you're trying to sell a product rather than actually, you know, just make awareness of it. Not that those things are mutually incompatible. It's just that I think that we should try to find ways to bring to bridge that gap. So I think skeptical is a way of, you know, tongue-in-cheek way of poking fun at ourselves, but also obviously at the horrible science of comic books and things like that. You know, and all the the tropes that exist in those kinds of storytelling, a, a sort of breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. So I think it's going to be really exciting, and I have someone who's going to be helping me with some voiceover work, and and if she if she really wants to as well, maybe she's going to be a new co-host uh, and, and make my life easier. So uh, <laughs> that's always good. So that's that's kind of an exciting other little project that we'll be including. I'm, you know, in future shows, I'll be including kind of like, there'll, there'll be short, like, five or six minutes radio serials. Do you remember like the old school ones they used to have in like the 30s, like Superman or The Shadow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like that. In fact, I'll probably be imitating those old voices and stuff like that. But the the theme of it is skepticism in, in a sense. But, you know, from the perspective of, there's a lot of things that I think that all skeptics need to need to learn. Like, you know, for instance, the first lesson that Skeptic L is that this Tick character um, overhears him wishing that he could live in a world where his skepticism could, you know, be you know, used for for good. And then she decides to. She's like, "Well, do you want to come with me to this magical world where that happens?" And of course, he responds sarcastically. And because she's a character who has no understanding of sarcasm, she teleports him to this other world. And the first lesson is, you know, not everyone in the universe understands the concept of sarcasm. It's it's not just a lesson for Al. It's kind of a lesson for all of us. Sometimes your schmott mouth is going to get you in trouble. That's how it is. I should know. I'm a sh I got a fucking schmott mouth. <laughs> so those are all the crazy projects. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? I think that pretty much covers it. If there is, we can we can we can tack it on to next uh, yeah. next show. Yeah. Well, you know, this was for what's funny and is that uh, even... and maybe the, maybe the next time because you were saying that there's a, a decent chance that uh, that Jeff will be back uh, to co-host. I'm sure he's got projects as well. So uh, it can be you know at the end of the show we can. Uh, we can bring up uh, whatever whoever is co-hosting for that uh, for that episode, and, and let them kind of fill people in on what they're up to. Because uh, that's, that's, the, that's the exciting thing about about the age we live in and the age mm -hmm. of the internet is everybody's always doing cool shit, and it's awesome checking it out. Yeah, yeah, and and plus, you know, we're create everybody that uh, you know I'm, I'm friends with are basically creatives. If they're not working on you know web content like us it's something else and we just feel compelled to it i guess and it just turns out that some people are interested in the stuff we do so we're going to be sharing more of that but we're going to do it the right way like i've been listening to my critics and i understand you know sometimes not not everybody wants to listen to this part of it which is why we do it at the end and you know what we else we do at the end to reward listeners well we include the little candid moments before shows because sometimes we're just you know when we warm up so if you after the song there's a uh, bonus stuff, and we're going to be doing that often. So not always, but often. So keep just whenever it happens. Just whenever the magic happens. We're just trying to make some magic happen. We're not going to try to force it. That's the thing. But when it happens, it's happens. Just uh, no lubricant needed, right? We're going no lubricant. I've missed all of our, uh, all of our homoerotic banter, Jake. <laughs> it has to continue. I think that a significant portion of our of, of our listeners expect it. Sometimes I just forgot how much of it goes on. 
<laughs> I went back and looked through some of our old stuff, and I was like, wow. Yeah. I think yeah. this is why we have a sizable gay uh, audience, is because, I mean, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll never say whether or not any of those things are never happened. It's like Pavlov's bell. You hear someone talking about butt fucking, you're like, mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I like the sound of that. all right well with that i'm gonna thank ryan for helping me resurrect that i hope you guys are are uh you know ecstatic and looking forward to the future and looking forward to may the end of may the 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 release of bible stories the first one and uh hopefully it's gonna be it's gonna be a big hit all right with that my name is jacob fortan and i'm ryan harkness have a good atheist day everybody all right that's good man Oh, I see the cat's made a return. Yep. I thought you locked him up. I thought I had too. <laughs> Is he like a velociraptor? Has he begun, you know, how does he escape? How does he uh, escape? I, I, the, the door must not have clicked closed, so he used his paw to pull it open or something. <clears throat> what are you going to do? Are you going to pet him like as if you're an evil uh, head of an organization? He doesn't even stop meowing when you're petting him now. What? He's just an annoying old, like, straight up, you know how much I love my cat, but there's sometimes he meows so much, endlessly, that I want to strangle, like, like, wrap my, it's an effort I could feel in my mind, like, I could see myself doing it, and it feels good in my mind, that I just want to wrap my hands around his neck and just snap it, because he won't shut the <laughs> fuck up, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, Buddy, and it's driving me insane. Let me tell you something. I felt that way, and I don't love your cat, and uh, you were my friend, and I needed to not do that. <laughs> you needed to not kill my cat. It needed to be a yeah. situation where I came home, and you're like, I don't know where the cat went. <laughs> <laughs> he ran away. He not ran a believable away. story, Jacob. He, he, he's not the type to run away. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he ran away, and an eagle swooped him up. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Like, you figure eagles aren't, well, I mean, eagles are kind of dicks, but uh, you figure an eagle in one swoop would kill a cat. You know what? Here's an interesting factoid, which I'm going to, I was thinking about calling my book tour the uh, Bible Hates Eagle Tour, or Hates Eagles, because literally in the Bible, I can show you the passage that says that eagles are an abomination. So I'm kind of like, hi, America, your bird is an abomination, according to the Bible. Okay, I get it now. It's still a little bit out there random. It's a little bit left field. I'll admit that if uh, if I was some kind of like business person that was that was like advising you on the right or wrong thing to do, I would say that would be wrong. But it's amusing. I like it. It would be wrong in the sense that it was incense people and and but I would tell I think it would just like, confuse yeah. them. I don't think they would understand it. The what the, the Bible hates eagles? The Bible hates eagles tour. All right, maybe just Bible stories tour then. <laughs> It's a little bit more uh, sensical. Subtext. Uh, the Bible hates eagles.
they are an yeah. abomination. You just got to understand that 99% of the people who are going to come into contact with this thing will have no idea what you're talking about because they have no context to understand where you're coming from. Well, I'll have to work it in. All right, you ready to do the show? Cause I this, thought we now were we doing the show. Bo- is this not the show? This is the bonus material at the end. So that anything that we have that was just kind of like off-the-cuff tangenty is always at the end of the show as a kind of like nice little bonus. I just figured it kind of opened up into us uh, talking about uh, talking about uh, Johnny Carson's 11-inch penis. No, no, no. I want to I wanna have a really nice structured open beginning, and in the end we can do whatever the fuck we want, you know, like the... Hey, we're just chilling and the blah, blah. Because I know that the, it, as time goes on, like, you know, the interest in something tends to wane, you know? We begin strong, we stay nice and tight, and then we just basically meander. That's how we, st- that's how we go. That's I the find order. the meandering happened more when we didn't have a nice locked-in, uh, like, document with our topics. And we weren't, like, you know, saying we're going to make this show an, an hour. And, oh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we need to, t- to pick a particular time. The only difference is that... You know, I'll, when I begin, I'll be like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the goodatheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And then you can be like, obviously, my name is Ryan Harkness. We are back. You know, kind of like just an exciting little thing. I just want to make it clear in the first few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On. Yeah, no, 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 totally makes sense. And then, <laughs> and then it has been like two years, so. <laughs> then we put this at the end. Like, I've been, I also listened to all the bad comments that people had about the show, which is what all the stuff that we'll excise. I won't include, obviously, what those are. But the only thing I obviously didn't agree with anybody on was like, can you tone down the language? I'm like, can you grow a pair of balls? You know, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, as long as it isn't fucking and fucking and fucking and fucking. Oh, no, 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 Because I, mean, I will admit, down, like, have you down. played Grand Theft Auto V? Of course, I passed the shit out of it, and I played it twice. You can't, like, you can't even drive around on the streets without hearing the word fuck all the time. Fuck you, fuck that, what, fuck out, get the fuck out of the road. I'm like, come on. Uh, yeah, save no, it, you, save you, it, save it for when it's you know worthwhile. Yeah, it, well, they make fun in movies like RoboCop or whatever, or all you know, or not RoboCop, like Reservoir Dogs or uh, Pulp Fiction. How many times did they hear the word "fuck" in a video game? Shit. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just ridiculous. Like a movie, you can't, you can't even. What is it? There's a specific number: two or three, two or three fucks you're allowed. I uh, think it's uh, well, depending on what you want as a rating. If you get over three, then you're like rated. Yeah, I know it is. It's ridiculous. So like, uh, once a video game is rated adult, and all the good ones just they don't they don't even mess around. It's uh, it's not like movie theaters where like a, P- a rated R means like two thirds of the people won't go. I just hate America's obsession with language. They can eat my dick. And nudity and uh, reverse obsession with violence. Well, I could do a whole show on it and on, on that and, and its relation to the Civil War, but we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. Are you ready for the show? <laughs> I'm ready for the show. All right, cool. Here we go. <laughs>